Hello, Hopeful. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible. Here, we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in His world. Welcome. Of Jacob's twelve sons, in the book of Genesis, two received the lion's share of the focus, Joseph and Judah. And we've been hearing the Joseph story in kind of a lengthy unfolding. But along the way, talking about Judah, and so far anyway, Judah's sexual sin and humble, if not humiliating, acknowledgement of that sin hasn't exactly cast him in a great light. But then, then we hear of his selfless leadership and, well, we're going to get to that. Remember this, today's theme, if you're listening there's a time to repent and be used by God. Hey, hopeful, welcome to episode 2103 and today's little bit of our journey together through the Bible, reading through every single word and considering our own stories in light of the big story. And again, if you're listening to this, your story isn't over, right? There's a time to repent or maybe repent again and be used of God, right? If there's one thing that's clear in the Bible, It's that God uses messy people in his mission to seek and save the lost. For instance, in the early part of today's New Testament passage, you're going to hear of those who renounced their former practices and bore fruit thereafter. Of course, there's plenty of mess that follows that, too. Acts chapter 19, picking up in verse 11. God was performing extraordinary miracles by Paul's hands, so that even face cloths and aprons that had touched his skin were brought to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Now, some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists also attempted to pronounce the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I command you by the Jesus that Paul preaches. Seven sons of Siva, a Jewish high priest, were doing this, and the evil spirit answered them. (laughs) I know Jesus, and I recognize Paul, but who are you? And then the man who had... (laughs) Just kidding myself. (laughs) Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them all, and prevailed against them so that... They ran out of the house naked and wounded. (laughs) All right, I'm going to read that again. Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them all, and prevailed against them so that they ran out of the house naked and wounded. When this became known to everyone who lived in Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, they became afraid, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high esteem. And many who had become believers came confessing and disclosing their practices, while many of those who had practiced magic collected their books and burned them in front of everyone. So they calculated their value and found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. In this way, the word of the Lord spread and prevailed. After these events, Paul resolved by the Spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem. After I've been there, he said, it is necessary for me to see Rome as well. After sending to Macedonia two of those who assisted him, Timothy and Erastus, 
he himself stayed in Asia for a while. And about that time, there was a major disturbance about the way. For a person named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Artemis, provided a great deal of business for the craftsmen. And when he had assembled them as well as the workers engaged in this type of business, he said, Men, you know that our prosperity is derived from this business. You see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this man Paul has persuaded and misled a considerable number of people by saying that gods made by hand are not gods. So not only do we run the risk that our businesses may be discredited, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be despised and her magnificence come to the verge of ruin, the very one all of Asia and the world worship. When they heard this, they were filled with rage and began to cry out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! So the city was filled with confusion and they all rushed together into the amphitheater, dragging along Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians who were Paul's traveling companions, and although Paul wanted to go in before the people, the disciples didn't let him. Even some of the provincial officials of Asia, who were his friends, sent word to him, pleading with him not to venture into the amphitheater. Some were shouting one thing and some another, because the assembly was in confusion, and most of them didn't know why they had come together. Some Jews in the crowd gave instructions to Alexander after they pushed him to the front, Motioning with his hand, Alexander wanted to make his defense to the people. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, they all shouted in unison for about two hours, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! And when the city clerk had calmed the crowd down, he said, People of Ephesus, what person is there who doesn't know that the city of the Ephesians is the temple guardian of the great Artemis and of the image that fell from heaven? Therefore, since these things are undeniable, you must keep calm and not do anything rash. For you have brought these men here, who are not temple robbers or blasphemers of our goddess. So if Demetrius and the craftsmen who are with him have a case against anyone, the courts are in session, and there are proconsuls. Let them bring charges against one another, but if you seek anything further, it must be decided in a legal assembly. In fact, we run a risk of being charged with rioting for what happened today, since there is no justification that we can give as a reason for this disturbance. After saying this, he dismissed the assembly. And that gets us up through chapter, verse 41, which is the end of chapter 19. I just love that line, Therefore, since these things are undeniable, which refers to, at that time, the belief that this great rock fell from the sky and was, was Artemis. All right, before we digress too far. But now, if that's a cliffhanger, over the next few days, we're going to focus on just hearing that story through to the end of Acts. In the meantime, today we finish up the book of Genesis, and I want you to listen for what comes to Judah, in a sense, the fruit of him having, in a sense, repented and ultimately become a leader in a good sense. We pick up today 
in Genesis 47 at verse 27. Israel settled in the land of Egypt in the region of Goshen. They acquired property in it and became fruitful and very numerous. Now Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years and his lifespan was 147 years. When the time approached for him to die, he called his son Joseph to him and said, If I have found favor with you, put your hand under my thigh and promise me that you will deal with me in kindness and faithfulness. Do not bury me in Egypt. When I rest with my ancestors, carry me away from Egypt and bury me in their burial place. And Joseph answered, I will do what you have asked. And Jacob said, Swear to me. So Joseph swore to him. And then Israel bowed in thanks at the head of his bed. Sometime after this, Joseph was told, Your father is weaker. So he set out with his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And when Jacob was told, Your son Joseph has come to you, Israel summoned his strength and sat up in bed. Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. He said to me, I will make you fruitful and numerous. I will make many nations come from you, and I will give you this land as a permanent possession to your future descendants. Your two sons born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt are now mine. Ephraim and Manasseh belong to me, just as Reuben and Simeon do. Children born to you after them will be yours and will be recorded under the names of their brothers with regard to their inheritance. When I was returning from Padan Aram, to my sorrow, Rachel died along the way, some distance from Ephrath in the land of Canaan, and I buried her there along the way to Ephrath, that is, Bethlehem. Now when Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, Who are these? And Joseph said to his father, They are my sons God has given me here. So Israel said, Bring them to me, and I will bless them. Now his eyesight was poor because of his old age. He could hardly see. And Joseph brought them to him, and he kissed and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face again, but now God has even let me see your offspring. Then Joseph took them from his father's knees and bowed with his face to the ground. Then Joseph took them both, with his right hand Ephraim toward Israel's left, and with his left hand Manasseh toward Israel's right, and brought them to Israel. But Israel stretched out his right hand and put it on the head of Ephraim the younger, and crossing his hands put his left hand on Manasseh's head, although Manasseh was the firstborn. Then he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all, all my life to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all harm, may he bless these boys, and may they be called by my name and the names of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and may they grow to be numerous within the land. Now when Joseph saw that his father had placed his right hand on Ephraim's head, he thought it was a mistake and took his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's. Joseph said to his father, Not that way, my father. This one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He too will become a tribe. He too will be great. Nevertheless, his younger brother will be greater than he, 
and his offspring will be a populous nation. So he blessed them that day, putting Ephraim before Manasseh when he said, The nation Israel will invoke blessings by you, saying, May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. Israel said to Joseph, Look, I'm about to die, but God will be with you and will bring you back to the land of your fathers. Over and above what I am giving your brothers, I am giving you the one mountain slope that I took from the Amorites with my sword and bow. And then Jacob called his sons and said, Gather around, and I will tell you what will happen to you in the days to come. Come together and listen, sons of Jacob. Listen to your father Israel. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my strength and the firstfruits of my virility, excelling in prominence, excelling in power. Turbulent as water, you will not excel, because you got into your father's bed and you defiled it. He got into my bed. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Their knives are vicious weapons. May I never enter their council. May I never join their assembly. For in their anger they kill men, and on a whim they hamstring oxen. Their anger is cursed, for it is strong. And their fury, for it is cruel. I will disperse them throughout Jacob and scatter them throughout Israel. Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the necks of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. Judah is a young lion, my son. You return from the kill. He crouches. He lies down like a lion or a lioness. Who dares to rouse him? The scepter will not depart from Judah or the staff from between his feet until he whose right it is comes and the obedience of the peoples belongs to him. He ties his donkey to a vine, the colt of his donkey to the choice vine. He washes his clothes in wine and his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine and his teeth are whiter than milk. Zebulun? Zebulun will live by the seashore and will be a harbor for ships, and his territory will be next to Sidon. Issachar is a strong donkey, lying down between the saddlebags. He saw that his resting place was good and that the land was pleasant, so he leaned his shoulder to bear the load and became a forced laborer. Dan will judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan will be a snake by the road, a viper beside the path that bites the horse's heels so that his rider falls backward. I wait for your salvation, Lord. Gad will be attacked by raiders, but he will attack their heels. Asher's food will be rich, and he will produce royal delicacies. Naphtali is a doe set free that bears beautiful fawns. Joseph is a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine beside a spring, its branches climbing over the wall. The archers attacked him, shot at him, and were hostile toward him, yet his bow remained steady, and his strong arms were made agile by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob, by the name of the shepherd, the rock of Israel, by the God of your father who helps you, and by the Almighty who blesses you with blessings of the heavens above, 
blessings of the deep that lies below, and blessings of the breasts and the womb. The blessings of your father excel, the blessings of my ancestors, and the bounty of the ancient hills. May they rest on the head of Joseph, on the brow of the prince of his brothers. Benjamin is a wolf. He tears his prey. In the morning he devours the prey, and in the evening he divides the plunder. These are the tribes of Israel, twelve in all, and this is what their father said to them. He blessed them, and he blessed each one with a suitable blessing. Then he commanded them, I am about to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my ancestors in the cave in the field of Ephron the Hittite. The cave is in the field of Machpelah near Mamre, in the land of Canaan. This is the field Abraham purchased from Ephron the Hittite as burial property. Abraham and his wife Sarah are buried there. Isaac and his wife Rebekah are buried there, and I buried Leah there. The field and the cave in it were purchased from the Hittites. And when Jacob finished giving charges to his sons, he drew his feet into the bed, took his last breath, and was gathered to his people. Then Joseph, leaning over his father's face, wept and kissed him. He commanded his servants, who were physicians, to embalm his father. So they embalmed Israel. They took forty days to complete this, for embalming takes that long, and the Egyptians mourned for him seventy days. When the days of mourning were over, Joseph said to Pharaoh's household, If I have found favor with you, please tell Pharaoh that my father made me take an oath, saying, I am about to die. You must bury me there in the tomb that I made for myself in the land of Canaan. Now let me go bury my father, and then I'll return. So Pharaoh said, Go and bury your father in keeping with your oath. Then Joseph went to bury his father, and all Pharaoh's servants, the elders of his household, and all the elders of the land of Egypt went with him, along with all Joseph's family, his brothers, and his father's family, only their dependents, their flocks, and their herds were left in the land of Goshen. Horses and chariots went up with him, and it was a very impressive procession. When they reached the threshing floor of Atad, which is across the Jordan, they lamented and wept loudly, and Joseph mourned seven days for his father. When the Canaanite inhabitants of the land saw the mourning at the threshing floor of Atad, they said, this is a solemn mourning on the part of the Egyptians. Therefore, the place is named Abel Mizraim. It is across the Jordan. So Jacob's sons did for him what he had commanded them. They carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave at Machpelah in the field near Mamre, which Abraham had purchased as burial property from Ephron the Hittite. After Joseph buried his father, he returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had gone with him to bury his father. And when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said to one another, uh, If Joseph is holding any grudge against us, he will certainly repay us for all the suffering we caused him. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before he died, your father gave a command. Say this to Joseph, Please forgive your brother's transgression and their sin, the suffering they caused you. Therefore, please forgive the transgression of the servants of God, of the God of your father. 
and Joseph wept when their message came to him. His brothers also came to him and bowed down before him and said, We, we are your slaves. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. Therefore, don't be afraid. I will take care of you and your children. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Joseph and his father's family remained in Egypt. Joseph lived 110 years, and he saw Ephraim's sons to the third generation. The sons of Manasseh's son, Maker, were recognized by Joseph. Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will certainly come to your aid and bring you up from this land to the land he swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Joseph made the sons of Israel take an oath. When God comes to your aid, you are to carry my bones up from here. Joseph died at the age of 110. They embalmed him and placed him in a coffin in Egypt. And my friends, that wraps up uh, the book of Genesis. And you know what? I'm just going to ask your permission to just kind of reflect on this for a little bit. Yeah, you can turn this off if you if you if you want. Judah receives a long and positive blessing from his dad, permeated with statements that highlight positive qualities of his leadership, right? And as with the other blessings, Jacob's remarks project the personal qualities that Judah has already displayed onto his future descendants. So prophetically, we see him predict or foreshadow or foretell the empire of David and then the greater kingdom of Christ, the second David. And this sets the tone for the chief aspect of the messianic expectation in the Old Testament, right? The way that Abraham's blessing will come to the Gentiles will be by the ultimate heir of David reigning and incorporating the Gentiles into his benevolent empire. So my friends, if you're listening to this, this is a time to repent and be used by God, right? I won't promise you <laughs> a king will be your heir, but I can promise you that God's heart is to use your faithfulness and he will deal with the fruitfulness. I love you, my friends. Little change here tomorrow. Amen. Amen. <laughs>